Let's begin our time with prayer. We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, this opportunity to gather together. Thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope that it affords us. Lord, we know that nothing else would matter. Nothing else that you said, nothing else you did, none of it would have mattered without the resurrection. Everything from creation through the cross was all hinged upon that one moment where you rose from the dead. So Lord, remind us this morning about how important, how crucial that event truly is for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, as we look at the Easter story, we're going to look at it through the eyes of John. You see the resurrection in the Gospels and other Gospel accounts, but today we're going to look at uh, the eyes that John sees the resurrection through in John chapter 20. If you want to follow along, you can follow along in the Bibles in front of you. It's page 906. But we're going to follow along with these words. And this is the image of what happens when Mary reaches the tomb. So now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, Christ is risen. And Peter replied, he is risen indeed. Alleluia. No, right? Not at all. That's actually not what happened in any way, shape, or form. Which is why when we love saying, Christ is risen... That would have made no sense to Mary, Peter, and John. In fact, if, if, if Mary had gone and she didn't go because to tell Peter and John he was risen, she didn't believe that. But if she had, Peter would have been like, what is wrong with you? Like, like what are you talking about? He's dead. He's in a tomb. Like, did you go to the wrong one? Like, let's go back. Here, I'm going to show you. You see, though, the resurrection is the most pivotal, important moment in all of history. Everything else hinges upon it. But it's also the most controversial because it's the one moment in Christianity that most people dispute who don't believe in the gospel. They don't dispute a historical Jesus. There are non-Christian documents, non-Christian historical accounts that talk about this Jesus who walked among people, who taught people. He was a great teacher who did what they called magic or sorcery. We would say in the scriptures that's called miracles. Who, who was persecuted, who suffered, who died. And then it stops there without the scripture account. And the resurrection is the pivotal moment. It is the most important. It's the one that most people who don't believe in the gospel will point to and say, I can't believe in Jesus because I can't believe that a dead man came back to life. But neither could the disciples. And in fact, I know that this morning there are probably some of you who are skeptical that this ever happened, that this resurrection took place. And we are glad that you are here because we believe that God has the answers to all of our questions and all our skeptical uh, beliefs. And we believe that Mary and the disciples would have been in that exact same place on that Easter morning, questioning how in the world can the resurrection happen? But the fact is they should have known. In John, John chapter 2, Jesus said, as he was teaching, he says, if you destroy this temple, talking about himself, in three days I will raise it back up again. Or in Luke, Luke chapter 8, he tells his disciples, the Son of Man must suffer, and he must be handed over to the chief priests, and he must be put to death. But don't worry, in three days I will rise again. 
In John chapters 13 and 14 and so on, he starts giving them this image of what the resurrection will be like and, and life without him on earth when he rises from the dead. And they still, hearing the words of Jesus, walking among him, seeing the miracles, experiencing Lazarus raised from the dead, they still don't get it. Why? Why is the resurrection so hard to believe? Well, it's because if you believe the resurrection, then everything else in your life has to change. It does. If you believe the resurrection, then you believe that Jesus is Lord, not just the Lord of the scriptures, but the Lord of your life, and it changes everything. And that's what we see in the lives of, of Mary and Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved. And as we read that, the disciple that he loved, that's John in our text. In fact, this is actually what happened in John chapter 20. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Do you hear the distress? The despair? Like, we don't, we don't know where he is. Well, what could they have done with him? That, that word, no. We're going to see it pop up a couple times. Sometimes it's translated as no in this text, and sometimes it's translated as see, the ability to see. I can't see him in this text. What that word really means is to know or to see with understanding. And what she is saying here is, is I don't know. I can't see with any kind of understanding where they've taken him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. What that seeing with understanding means is a little bit like this. This is a picture of abstract art. I don't know how many of you love abstract art, but uh, it is a picture of abstract art that is created by Andy Hahn. And uh, he did a video explaining what this abstract art is about. But since I know all of you know the answer to this, I'm going to let you take a moment and show your great artistic understanding and uh, being able to interpretate this. And so turn to the person next to you or around you and tell the person next to you or around you what you think this abstract art means. Go. All right. You know what's great to watch? I think, I think all the kids knew exactly what it was because they're pointing and just showing everything, every aspect of it. So, so but what he said is this, and we'll see how many of you got this right, that the bold, solid white lines going up and down are to show societal structures all around us like news and media and, and all of those things that have been set up in our culture and the red and the blue that are kind of thrown against it and, and kind of rough, if you would actually see it, it's a little bit rough and you can see some grading on it and stuff, is talking about the moral decay that's all around us. And so the art piece is to describe how the societal structures of news and media have started to cause the moral decay and corruption that we find all around us. Any of you get that? 
You're like three of you, great, yeah, all right, right? Like you saw it, but did you understand it? No. That's what's going on in our text. They see without understanding. This is what Jesus has to reveal to them. Because Mary sees without understanding. Peter and John, they see without understanding. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God that you and I could ever see with understanding. And so Mary goes there and says, there is no body here. You see, for her, this was a big deal. Because nobody expected no body in the tomb. Everyone expected someone to be in there, and that someone being Jesus Christ, right? Like, like nobody was standing at the tomb. The disciples weren't waiting around the tomb going, uh, how much longer do you think it's going to take? Right? Like, hey, Peter, could you just check and see, is he risen yet? And like, none of them believed that. They all thought it's over. It's finished. The deal's done. The gig is up. It's time to go home. They were in hiding, and only Mary, the most unlikely of people, went to the tomb. And why was Mary the unlikely person? Well, well, Mary of Magdalene, the reason it's Magdalene is she came from the city of Magdala. And Magdala, the women of Magdala, did not have a great reputation. They were considered women of ill repute. Uh, women who had many relationships with many different men. And in Luke chapter 8, you hear more about Mary. It says Mary had seven demons that Jesus cast out of her and beyond that in that society in that culture at that time a woman couldn't be a legal witness in any court case so a woman's witness wouldn't stand up at all and this is who Jesus chose is a reminder that Jesus doesn't choose the greatest but Jesus chooses everyone the greatest the least and everyone in between to be the part of his resurrection promise and joy he says Mary I've chosen you to come and find this open tomb. And so Mary runs back and says, says, Peter and John, Jesus isn't there. The body is gone. And if you don't believe in the resurrection, what you have to ask is, so if the body is gone and Jesus died, what happened to the body? And besides the resurrection, there's really only four other options. Number one, well, well, maybe the Romans took him somewhere else or they got the wrong tomb. Well, if they got the wrong tomb, somebody would have directed them to the right one. And the Romans wouldn't have done it because they sealed it and they guarded and they didn't want any disruptions with the Jews. Well, if the Romans didn't do it, well, then maybe the Jews did. Well, uh, imagine how that Easter morning would go once they started telling everyone, Jesus is risen. And the Jews would go, no, he's not. Here's the body, right? So if the Romans didn't do it and the Jews didn't do it, well, maybe the disciples did it. What the disciples did at first, how did they get past the Roman soldiers, fishermen and tax collectors? And if they did it, why would every single one of them, all 11 of them, suffer and die in a most horrific way without any single one of them turning and denying to save their own life? So the fourth option would be, well, maybe it was a grave robber. Maybe there were some robbers that came in. That was pretty popular at that time. But John gives us an amazing detail that shows us how this can't be the truth. It says this. So both of them, John and Peter, were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter. Notice John had to say, look, I'm faster. And reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was following him because John got there first, 
and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been in Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but it was folded up in a place by itself. Then the, the other disciple, the one who had reached the tomb first, we get it, John, you beat him, right? Like it wasn't a race, but I guess it really was. So he went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. Do you see the detail that makes all the difference if robbers had taken the body? Why would robbers leave the grave clothes just like they were when they were tightly wrapped? And why would they take the face cloth and fold it up really nice and neat? I have never heard of a robber breaking into a house to tidy up. Right? They would have thrown it all over the place. And it says, no, the grave cloths were lying right where they belonged, and the face cloth, the, the head cloth, it was folded up, and it was placed in a spot by itself. A detail to prove to the disciples that something special, something significant, something important is taking place. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so John sees this. He sees with understanding, and because God allows him to see with understanding, he believes. The first one to believe in the resurrection is John as he looks in and sees the evidence of what's there and he believes. Because before that, they didn't understand the scriptures. But we still have Mary, don't we? Mary who got to the tomb first. A Mary who ran back and told Peter and John. Mary who is still hanging around. It says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know. I see, but I don't understand where they have laid him. Notice twice, and it's going to happen a third time. What is Mary most concerned with? She just wants the body. Like, where is Jesus? Where's the body? I need to take care of it. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing but she did not know, see without understanding, didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She was clinging to that which she could see, but not understand. Until Jesus talks to her and speaks to her, and we have to ask, well, why didn't she, why didn't she recognize Jesus? How, she, she, how could she not know it? Well, what was she doing? Look at the very beginning. She was weeping. Have you ever tried to recognize somebody through tear-filled eyes and grief that's been going all morning? You can't. It's blurry. You can't see. And so her eyes are blurred just like her faith is blurred right now. And Jesus says, whom are you seeking? And I believe he asks us that question today. In your life, what are you seeking? What are you running after? What are the answers that you are seeking for your life? What are you looking for to bring you stability or bring you peace or to help you move ahead in life or to bring you comfort in the midst of your grief or to bring you triumph in the midst of seeming defeat? What are you seeking? She was seeking a body. But Jesus says, 
I have something so much more that I'm about to show you than just a dead body. And Jesus says in your life, whatever you're seeking for yourself, uh, a name or comfort or possessions or a greater job or a greater livelihood, whatever you're seeking, Jesus says this day, I want to show you something greater than this world could ever offer you. And so Jesus says this, Mary. That's it. You're like, really, that's it? That's all he had to say. He just said her name. And today, Christ says your name. He calls you by name. He called you by name to be here this morning. It is no accident that you are here to worship the resurrected Jesus Christ. He has called you by name so that your eyes might be opened and your heart might see and, and understand and receive the one who is the resurrected Jesus. He just said, Mary, and she turned and she said, Aramaic, Rabboni. And so all she needed was the voice of the shepherd because the sheep will always know the voice of their shepherd. And he says, don't cling to me because she jumped on him. She clung to him. And Mary, it says, went back and announced to his disciples, now I have seen the Lord. Now my eyes are opened and I understand. I see with perceiving because Jesus has opened my eyes. That's the power of the resurrection. And the resurrection changed Mary's reality and it changed John's reality and the resurrection changes your reality and it changes my reality and it changes the reality of this world. 2,000 years it's changed the reality of this world. So that those who were believing Jews in Jesus Christ no longer worshiped on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, but instead on Sunday. So for 2,000 years, churches have been filled and, and holidays have been built around the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his birth. And, and people have been flooding to sing his praises because the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection is what we would call the greatest rescue mission in the history of the world. Because if you think about a rescue mission, and maybe those who do mountain rescues, if you've ever seen that, I've watched some of those shows, there's a show about mountain rescues on TV. If you ever watched it, it always marvels me that those who usually need to get rested, uh, rescued are those who have made really, really dumb choices. You ever notice that? Hey, like, like there's a sign that says, don't go here, and they're like, oh, let's see what's over there. It's like, don't go there, right? It's like a bad horror movie where they're like, where should we go, in the car that's running or behind the chainsaws? Remember the commercial, right? Okay, so, so it's like, like, should we go past this side? Oh, let's just try it. And then they get themselves in this predicament. And you're like, you got yourself there. Why should somebody else risk their life to get you out of it? And that's exactly what Jesus did, isn't it? We made bad choices and bad decisions and we went our own way and we didn't heed his warnings and we didn't listen to his voice and we got ourselves in a life-threatening predicament and God came into that situation and into our lives in the greatest rescue mission, the greatest resurrection mission in the history of the world. You and I, we are rescued through the resurrection. I really love this picture for Easter. It's called First Day in Heaven, but, but I can only imagine that that is Mary, the moment that Jesus says to her, Mary. And she sees him for the first time. And she can't help but cling to him because that is all that she's been looking for. And whatever you are seeking to the answer of Jesus, what are you seeking? That is the only thing that can fill the void in your life. 
It is only the resurrection of Jesus Christ that offers to you a promise that doesn't just last when the game is over and when you graduate and when you retire and in the midst of your life. It is the resurrection is the only thing that will ever last. It is the greatest promise and rescue mission ever. That's what Paul spoke about in Colossians chapter 1. Would you read these words with me? It says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This is why everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not his teachings and his miracles, his life and his death, because none of that would have mattered if he had not been raised from the dead. But because he has been raised from the dead, all of that matters now. And God didn't come to make bad people good. He didn't come to make you just a better father or mother, husband or wife, son or daughter, although following Jesus will do that. But he came to make dead people alive to take the dead parts of your life and make them alive again and to promise you the greatest hope that there could ever be and that is the resurrection to eternal life so that you and I can actually proclaim what Mary should have when she first came to that open tomb and ran back to the disciples and she should have proclaimed to them, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. That is the greatest rescue mission ever because we are rescued through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the rescue that you have given to us in the cross of Jesus Christ and the open tomb, the resurrection that promises us life. Lord, we run after and seek after so many things because our eyes are not open. We see without understanding or perceiving. So Lord, open our eyes, but more than that, open our minds and our hearts to see the resurrected Jesus in every aspect of our life so that we might know that no matter what we are running after, the only thing that can fill our lives is Jesus, the one who came on the greatest rescue mission of all so that we might be rescued by the resurrection to the forgiveness and new life that is ours in Jesus Christ. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Before receiving the blessing, uh, from grace, from our staff and our families, we want to extend to you and your family a blessed Easter as you celebrate the rescue that you have received through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So receive the blessing of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of all peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of his sheep, may he equip you with everything good, working in you with that which is well-pleasing. To him and him alone be the glory, now and forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. Please stand for a closing song.